Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, January 25th, 2021. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft. The H does indeed stand for happy. Kyle Sapi expertly produces and researches our fine show, and I am Eric Carabell. I'm just here watching the wheels go around and around. Today's show, more free agent signings and trades. The Pirates are clearly World Series bound. Trivia that Eric won't know. And later on, of course, your hash browns. Tristan, good morning to you. How are you? I'm in a good mood. I don't know. I can't imagine why. <laughs> kind, of because, kind of am. Kind of am. Kind of am. Cy Young winner, Jameson Tyon, is now a member of uh, your favorite team's pitching staff. That's probably why you're in such a good mood, right? I am, yeah. You know, the Yankees made some moves. Can you believe it? Now, you know, they've, they've got the world's most injury-prone rotation ever, ever assembled. That I might agree with. Uh, we're going to get to the Jameson Tyone signing uh, a little bit later. Did we, we got Kluber on the last show, right? Uh, I think we did. Trade, and so, it's trade, too. It's a Tyone trade. Yes, trade. But, technically, man, technically, nice. I know. I, I, you know what? I didn't realize how old Tyone actually was. When I first saw this, I was like, what are you doing, Pittsburgh? But then, you know, people were praising the prospects they got back, and they're not going to win anyway. And, you know, he's had two Tommy John surgeries. So... I guess I can understand why the Pirates wanted to move him. He's 29 years old. Huh? I, I I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> but so you, you know what? Else? Who would you have guessed? I'm curious because I I had the same feeling. Like I thought he was a 25, 26. Wow. Like, okay. I mean, he he's been around longer than I. You know, I, it's because he's barely pitched. You know, it's like you think of a pitcher. Any player, and you think, well, what are the? How long? How long have they? He's only pitched like 450 innings in his career. Yeah, but he's had some stuff. He's had the Tommy Johns. He also had the cancer. So you know, I get it. But all right, I'll start with. Let's start with him then. Mm-hmm. Who would you rather draft in a 2021 redraft? Jamison Tyone or Corey Kluber? Both Yankees now. Kluber. And you feel good about that? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll just answer your question, man. That's it. <laughs> I look, I, I I knew you were going to come with that question. It's it's a good valid one and I think should be asked of everybody and I don't think there's a right answer and I'll tell you that that it goes beyond them. Luis uh, Severino with his injury issues, you know, you should probably contrast him against the other two and the rest of the Yankees rotation also has some volume slash durability questions with Jordan Montgomery and Domingo Herman potentially. So you think, I don't know. That seems like a really, that, that rotation. I mean, they're all, they're all throwing 30 starts there. I mean, Oh right? yeah, sure. Sure. I look, I, I just, I don't think you give Kluber the kind of deal that you did. And I don't think you see the kind of promising reports on the throwing session that he had. Uh, if you couldn't be reasonably confident, he's going to come back at a, at a high level. I mean, we talked a lot about him last week. I just, I think that the fact that Kluber has done it before, giving you high volume, is more bankable in fantasy than Tyone's. Tyone just hasn't. Not only he, he you know, you're right. He's 29, so why, you know, why keep his innings in check? But he he hasn't proven it yet as a pro. Not like Kluber has. Uh, nobody would argue that. Um, I do think that. Give me the over/under on innings uh, starts. So he's at twenty-five starts for Tyona. I mean, he he made thirty-two starts in twenty eighteen, and they were good ones. Lots of strikeouts, um, good control. ERA was low. I mean, he had a really good season in twenty eighteen. So why would we not project a sub-four ERA right now with twenty-five starts? And that's what I'm doing for Kluber. Yeah, I mean, I I look at them a little differently. That I, I think Kluber is going to give you at least a half season, but he's not going to give you a full season. And I, I don't think there's any question that it's, that it's not going to be 33 starts in Tyone's case. I feel like we should be either projecting 28 to 30 and it's a reasonably full year or it's kind of ugly and doesn't go well at all that this turn, this just kind of blows up in the Yankees faces. I, I think there's a wider range for him and, and couple that with the, you know, the experience differential between the two of them. That's, that's kind of why I, I put Kluber ahead. Don't, I feel like Tyone's giving you a full year if all's good. Don't you think he's given 28, 30 starts if he's all good and maybe he's capped at 180 innings? That seems aggressive. 180 innings is aggressive. Well, I don't know how many pitchers in baseball are going 180 innings. There was a, they only had 10, 11 starts last season. Tyone didn't make any. Kluber didn't make any. So 
I mean, we we kind of went through this on an email on an email chain with our friend and projector Todd Zola. Like, how many pitchers do we even think are going to approach 200 innings this year? Five of them, maybe. So when you say 180 innings as the norm, a year, two years ago, yeah, I would have said that. But now it's like 150. Like basically, whenever you say 180 innings, I'm going to retort, you mean 150 innings? Because that's what that's what I see as like for guys like this, they're not making 30 starts. I'm not going to dismiss you outright with this. You're raising a very fair point, but I also think you're diving deep into the pool of assuming that innings are going to be awful this year. And I'm seeing it increasingly happen. And I'm I'm starting to think that the advantage for fantasy is going to be over projecting downward on volume, over projecting downward on starts and innings. I think the advantage in fantasy, and we have a draft starting tomorrow, like a long one. I think if you can get guys that you starting pitchers that you know are going to pitch innings, Healthy, durable guys who are not going to be on innings limits, this is the year to go get them. And how many are we talking about? 10, 12? Like, if you can get two of those guys, yeah, I think this year you do it. This, so I, I, look, look at it like this. That's where I want to be buying. I wonder if you throw what you said about Tyone and 150 innings there, does that perception drag down the true values of the Garrett Coles and the Jacob deGroms and other elite guys. Do people assume that they're throwing 195? Because the difference to me between 215, 220 for them and 195 is monstrous. I'm with you all the way on the aces. I don't know if I have a guy who I would project as a definite first rounder for me, Cole, DeGrom, Bieber, but I'm bulking. I want two or three guys that are top 15 starters. I'm just not willing to do it over Lindor or Freeman. Is that fair? Like I'm going to hit that starting, the the safe starting pitchers hard after round one and before round five. So by round five, I might have two starters and two hitters, which I never do. With you on that, the the Lindor one, by the way, I'm cooling a little bit. I'm cooling a little bit on Lindor that I think he does belong where Darvish and Bauer and that tier of starting pitchers are. But otherwise, yeah. Why would you not take Lindor over the, over the start? you you raised the question and it's stuck in my head since we talked about it on the show. And that is, is Lindor overrated for fantasy? And yes, he is overrated for fantasy, but he is an exceptional player with a very high floor. And that's why I have him still in that second round range. But I do not think first round is in the conversation. Well, He'd have to go means- something like 30, 20 for that. Okay. So you're saying overrated because he's not going to be able to do what? Because I look at him as a fantastic fantasy option. I, I'm not sure what the – other than he might hit 270, I don't see what the problem is with Lindor. He's not Trey Turner and he's not uh, Trevor Story. And I think there is a perception where he belongs with them. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. The big news right after our show last week was George Springer found a home up north or in Dunedin, Florida with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, baseball club. And, you know, you look at Springer the last couple of years and you say he's a pretty safe hitter. You know what he's going to do. He's got power. If he leads off, he's going to score runs. He's going to knock in runs. Not a guy who's going to play all 162. He's only done that, uh, I don't know when, like four years ago, five years ago. Not a big base stealer, not a good percentage base stealer. Uh, we need to see what Toronto puts him in the lineup. I haven't heard anything yet. But then I saw a tweet today that made me think about this. If you've got Springer in a dynasty format, you're thinking, oh, I've got three, four more years here. Do you? Uh, 31-plus-year-old players to sign $100 million contracts. Let me read to you the last seven guys. Yohannes Cespedes, no, that did not go well. Robinson Cano, no. Chin Chu Chu. It was all right for for a good chunk of it. Uh, Half of it. Chu, Josh Hamilton, Albert Pauls, who as soon as he became an angel was no longer an angel in fantasy, Jason Wirth, and A-Rod. Why would Springer be different? than that group of players. Like, why, why can we count on, not only this season, I think we can count on good performance this season and next, but at some point this ends. Like, guys can't play center field into their mid-30s. He's not a base stealer anyway. Like, do you feel confident in George Springer in a keeper-slash-dynasty format? Not comfy, not comfy, cozy. And and your your point about not being able to handle center field, I do think that we're, we're looking at a path pretty soon where he ends up on a corner. Um... I, one of the things that I really like about Springer for 2021 is what I don't like about him for a dynasty or keeper. And that is that he went very fly ball power oriented last season. And I'm wondering whether that couples into this year that 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 continues to be his approach. And if it does, the batting average falls apart 
maybe durability becomes a concern. Maybe he com- becomes a very one-dimensional player. You mentioned about the steals not being there anymore. So, yeah, it's fa- it's a fair question to raise. I, I we both have Springer in our top fifty, and I look at the hitters that you have him ranked nearby. Okay, and I think, man, I, maybe I need to rank Springer better. I mean, you have him behind Kevin Biggio, who is a batting average risk in a in a stan- standard. 10 category ESPN league points leagues are different points leagues Beezer is a walker Luke Voigt is slugger that guy can hit 40 home runs um Aaron Judge can't stay healthy Keston Cura that was a bad 60 game season Austin Meadows he couldn't stay healthy um Nelson Cruz is our age JT Real Muto I would never put a catcher top 50 like I think I would move Springer up almost because I, I'm gonna end up getting him in these leagues if this is what our ADP is so I think he's actually ranked pretty favorably or not favorably enough I mean to say yeah, and, and I think where Toronto calls home is going to come into play. There's already uh, begun the discussion that if they play in Dunedin for this year as their home, that it is going to lean pretty hitter friendly. And there is an outcome for that. And if you, this is where I mentioned about going fly ball oriented, there, there is a dream scenario by which Springer is a home run crown contender. So I, I, there's a lot to like here, at least for 2021. I, but I, I like that you're raising the question year over year with him. Yeah, he could be like a 35 homer, 90 RBI leadoff hitter for Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love that I think he's a two behind Biggio, don't you? I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I mean, Biggio's a walker, but I don't think he let off all that much last season, did he? I mean, I got to look it up. Maybe he did. They, they, they shuffled it around a bit. They shuffled I, I think, it around a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's a good construction, though, if they put him in at the two. You, you know, you, you and I both love when a player hits in the two spot. I mean, that that's kind of the dream that's, for me for for Springer. That's where I put my best hitter. Like in my sim lineups, my number two hitter is my best hitter, basically. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a team with Yelich. That's where he goes. I have a team with Rendon. That's where he goes. Um, Harper would be there, except I have Rendon on that team. Anyway, Springer's 31. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in Philadelphia about JT Real Muto and how angry they're going to be when they don't get him. And I'm thinking, look, if he, if he costs five years, $125 million, I would not do that. But – I'm all alone among Phillies fans. They all want him. When Real, when Real Muto signs, it could be tomorrow, it could be a month, how much are you going to change your ranking? You have him ranked number 54, which is really aggressive. Like, that's three rounds before me. Why? Why do you have Real Muto there? What's the difference between Real Muto and Grandal being that grand? Yeah, and I was, uh, by the way, calcu- running some calculations over the weekend where I thought about dialing him back a little bit and kind of changed my mind. I went back to about where he is. Um he is the durable, consistent model at that position, and that is a rarity nowadays. And Grundahl's problem, since you raised him, the batting average fell apart last year, and all of the metrics underneath suggested that that was legit. So that's another case of a guy who could go very one-dimensional, kind of in the Gary Sanchez mold. I don't know that he's going to tank at batting average that badly, but I, to me, there's a major difference between the two. It just seems odd to me. That you could like, I I agree. Real Muto is the top catcher in fantasy, but you've got Real Muto fifty four and your number two catcher one sixteen. That's a six round difference. That seems awfully stark to me. Like I I don't know if I could do that. I I, I agree. Real Muto is number one, but like that much of a difference, and I have I have Grandel too. But like, man, that's a lot. This is Ace. Ever- this is the Ace's argument. It's this. It's identical. The advantage he gives you in terms of the volume and the consistency over the rest is that. But, but- isn't this the Rob Gronkowski in his prime argument in fantasy football where people used to take Gronkowski in round one saying he's so much better than every other tight end that he deserves to be round one and then you wait five rounds for the next guy. And I would say, no, that's, that's silly. Based on value-based drafting, he's not even close to that valuable. You're not taking real moto in round one, but who cares if you have the best catcher off the board? You're trying to construct a team. You can't tell me that real moto is just as valuable as George Springer in fantasy when you remove the position eligibility. I don't believe that. When you remove the position eligibility, they're not, as a matter of yeah, fact. But in ESPN, one catcher league, why, why Travis Darno in round 18 is fine. Why would you take Real Muto in round five? I mean, that, again, there's another huge advantage between Real Muto compared to Darno, and one of those is just the injury history of Darno, especially based on what is he? He's 32 now. I mean, Real Muto is the one known. He's been number one at catcher in both forms. Well, actually, he was... I think it was three points. He was number one in all cases over the past three years with one exception. And that was when Grandal had, I believe it was three fantasy points more than him either. I think it was in 2019. Other than that, he's been locked locked in number one catcher. 
And his value relative to replacement, the, the reason the tight end argument isn't valid here is that there is always going to be a tight end who's relevant in the offense. There is not always going to be a catcher who's relevant here. I know you're, you're right that there are always Travis Darnos, but are you going to be able to find them? I, your your, your argument that. works in a two-catcher league, but not in an ESPN one-catcher league. Oh, I disagree with you. I do not. Th- I, I would challenge you on your ability to predict the catchers. As a matter of fact, I'll give you an opening day. You can have two choices of who you're going to get. They have to be after 10, and we're going to see if you're right on them, because I'll bet you're not. I, I just don't think, like, if it's, if it's real, I would rather have Springer than, and Garver. Then Real Muto and whoever you know your outfielder is in round twenty three. Hey, but Garver's nine, so you paid a slight premium to get him too. That's right, not Sean Murphy. Even even James McCann, who I'm not even all that in favor of. Mm-hmm. Like James McCann going fourteen homers and two seventy after the draft, to me is worth it. As opposed to Real Moto around five. I don't know how we got on this conversation when Real Moto saw the sign. Yeah, but the, but the, the value of the catchers is a relevant one, especially considering the difference of our game to a lot of the others out there. I mean, we, we you and I are playing, we just said, about doing an NFBC-style draft where it's 15 teams and two catchers. And two catchers. Yeah, there, Real Muto should go in round five or earlier. Very I think which I don't like, I would rather have two catchers. Let's move on. Um, but I see your point. I just don't agree with it. I am not taking Real Muto in any drafts, not if he has to go in the first six rounds. I can't do it. Too early. And it doesn't matter what team he's on. In fact, it, especially, especially because of that. Uh, what else happened? Uh, Michael Brantley went back to Houston. Um, he was supposed to go to Toronto for about a half hour, and then he went back to Houston. And I wanted to try to make the case, okay, when Brantley signed with, with, back with Houston that he was as good as Springer. And I can only do it based on batting average. If you think about it, based on durability, they're kind of even, okay? Obviously, Springer makes, gets the grade in power, but neither of them steal bases. And in a points league where Brantley is hitting for average and taking walks, I couldn't quite make it, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Brantley is two years older, okay? But he hits 300 every year. He gets on base, and he does knock in runs, and he had one more stolen base than Springer does. If Springer's going in round five and Brantley's going in round nine or ten, I want Brantley. That's fair. Um, somehow I don't think he's eh, – I guess maybe he is going to drop down to that level. Um, I mean I'm just looking at where like people are taking him. You've got Brantley in round 13. So if it's Springer in round five and Brantley in round 13 and I can almost make the case that Brantley is just as good if you take batting average into account and a points league, that's a huge value. Brantley should be going I don't, around. Well, one, th- one thing I'll tell you, he's better in rotisserie than points. It's not by a lot, but he's a better pick in rotisserie than points. He has been for uh, – that's, that's a 300 batting average every year. But he's for four years, he's been better in rotisserie, and last year was a pretty noticeable difference. Oh, I, 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 don't, I, I can't I explain why, but uh, you know, I don't think there's an advantage of one or the other. I, I would argue that for Brantley, he does get underappreciated in the rotisserie leagues because we don't invest in – we all as a group don't invest in batting average – as a solitary category. We, we underrate it. We absolutely do. I, I'm almost talking myself into Springer being overrated now, and I don't want to do that. I think Brantley's just really underrated. So this is a guy, time of year. You're, you're, all the stuff is kind of you know ruminating in your mind here like as to where to place these players, and I, I'm in the same spot here. I've already written down a note about Brantley that I probably am going to adjust him up a little bit. You, you made, Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I have him. I haven't taken my rankings all enough seriously. I want to see where everybody lands, but – Brownlee's a top 100 player for me, for sure, and a huge value. Safe batting average. Uh, Boston picked up uh, Enrique Hernandez and Garrett Richards. I guess Garrett Richards is a little bit like Tyone to the Yankees. Richards is older. Neither one of them. I mean, Richards pitched last year for San Diego. did fine. Who would you rather draft? See, like, when we're talking an ESPN league, shallow league, 10 teams mixed, very short benches, I don't even know if I can find room for Kluber, Tyone, Garrett Richards. Can you? Like, I just can't do that. So in a North in a in a larger league on other sites, is Garrett Richards worth the risk to you? Is he more worth the risk than Tyonin's? I think he'll go later than Tyonin. It might be by a good amount. And then, Would he yeah. Should he? Probably not. I, I personally prefer Tyone just because, you know, I know Tyone a lot. I followed everything of his career. I had him in the Sim League when he was a minor league prospect. There, there are things about him that I like a little bit better than I do Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards, by the way, the, the, the stat that really alarmed me 
is he threw 212 in the third innings in 2015, and he threw one more inning total than that as a pro in the five, five seasons since. So he's thrown almost the identical amount in the past five years as he did in 2015. This guy has not given you volume. And if you want to talk workload questions, how much do you think he can give you? I, I'm not even sure he can get to 150 cleanly. I have no idea. I, I view him the way I do that Boston starting pitcher, Evaldi. Like, I think there's – people think that he's a better strikeout pitcher than he is, and people somehow think he can stay healthy. <laughs> and I don't see either one. So he was he was very good last year. The slider looked great, by the way. All yeah, the numbers. Yeah, he the ball. He, he did fine. I mean, that was a good K rate. Um, he did well for the Potters, and they moved him to the bullpen later in the season. He was still, usable. I still don't get that move. That that made well, no sense to me, but you know, didn't make much sense to me. I, he was probably hurt, and they didn't want to tell anybody. Um, all right. I mean, and Hernandez. I don't think you're drafting. I mean, I guess you can make a case. He's a starting second baseman for Boston now. Actually, the reason why the Hernandez signing with Boston. Uh, made me think is because I got Michael Chavis in a league, and I'm thinking he ain't going to play now. Bobby Dahlbeck's the first baseman. Hernandez is the everyday second baseman who hits lefties and has to bat seventh or eighth against righties. But, you know, why would you play Chavis, who's not a second baseman? And then their outfield's full. So I, I can't make any case to roster Michael Chavis, even at AL only to me. This seems like a bench guy now. But Hernandez, I mean, he's got some pop. And, you know, moving from L.A. to Boston could be is, – is, could Enrique Hernandez hit 20 home runs? Because if he did that, then that's a guy you would think about taking late as your middle infield guy at an ESPN. Yeah, he could. He'll probably get the volume for that. I think he's going to he's going to play a lot more heavily than Brock Holt did in the utility role if that's what he ultimately is. I think Chavis's uh, presence does increase the chances Hernandez gains another position for eligibility. That's going to be a big plus. But you're drafting him at the end of your ESPN standard league because of the multi-position. You can bounce him around. He gives you like a safety net at the back. But I just don't think there's much upside. This is a locked in, what, 250 18 homer type and i'd say 20 if it weren't for the fenway park thing he's got to loft the ball over i think the doubles the extra base hits might go up instead. And, and remember he hit 21 home runs in 2018 and 17 in 2019 so him getting to 25 is not that much of a reach is what i'm saying if they it's give him it's gonna to be tough in fenway i think to get to that but he's gonna give you extra base hit bumps that's that's the hidden value as i think the points leagues and by the way Remember, he was a platoon, considered the air quote platoon guy. Uh-uh. He's not a platoon guy. He hits righties. Well, he I mean, he, he didn't hit anybody last year. In 2018, he hit righties. Okay? He slugged like 500 against righties in 2018. In 2019, he didn't do it. Right. But I'm saying in terms of there being a platoon split for him. Oh, no. I think he's the everyday second baseman. He's I hit think righties he gets, better than lefties. I think he gets 500 PAs against for the season at least full-time guy and i'm not sure i want him because well and he can take a walk i mean he he, he can so there's in a points league I, I don't know he used to be a 10 percent you know walker mm-hmm. um is by the same token the Padres bringing back yurks and profile makes me think about jay cronenworth jay cronenworth nearly won the rookie of the year award and he almost won it based on august numbers not september numbers and now i'm wondering where are they going to play this guy? Now, Profar is a bad second baseman, can't throw. I, I don't know. Like, they just have a lot of guys. Yeah. And that's what's like, I have a shot to get Cronenworth in a league um, coming up soon. And, or actually in multiple leagues, as you know, coming up soon. And I'm thinking, A, where does he play? B, does he play enough? Is he a platoon guy? Is a pot- Cronenworth does not hit lefties. So, and I like him, but they also have Hayes on Kim. And people are asking questions about him on Twitter, like, what could he do? Is he a platoon guy with Cronenworth? I just don't see how Profar gets more than 400 PAs on this team. I feel like based on the contract, they're going to try to try their best to find a way to do it. But I agree with you. There's just no clean path to him playing every day. They've got two super utility men now, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And you're right to be concerned about Cronenworth. You could pick and choose his matchups and... I don't know. It, it does make me a little bit less interested in a lot of the volume-driven Padres hitters. I, I, hmm. And the reason why Profar is more interesting to me today than he was a year ago is, you know, he stole seven bases in, 
you know, just 202 plate appearances, which he had never done before. He was never a big base stealer before. He's always been a good percentage base stealer. When you see a guy go 19 out of 20 over, over two seasons, as he did in 18 and 19 for Texas and Oakland, you think, okay, he can steal 25 if he wants to. Well, if Profar got 500 PAs for San Diego, maybe he's a 20-20 guy. And if he's doing that, remember, he doesn't strike out at all. It's a very low K rate. So maybe they unlock something in him. That, that's an interesting guy. Just I don't know if he's a second baseman, but maybe he's our left fielder. You know, they have fam out there. Maybe there's a DH. That, that's something that a couple of these guys are made for. I mean, honestly, this, the Super Bowl teams have been announced, and we still don't know if baseball is going to have a designated hitter. I mean, what yeah. are they waiting for? There was a, and there was a signing that greatly alarmed me from that aspect, and that was the Ryan Zimmer one, Zimmerman one back to Washington, is that teams are now starting to have to make these decisions under their assumptions. It's a concern. But quickly on Profar, 26 to 28 stealing base of the past three years. So you're right. He's been very, very smart on the base paths, despite the fact that StatCast says he's got middle-grade speed. So may, maybe he's not a 20 stolen base guy. Yeah, I, I but, think that's aggressive, but I, I like that you're talking the possibility he could do it. I mean, I, the baseball teams must think they know that they're either either going to be or not be a DH. But then again, that wouldn't explain why Nelson Cruz hasn't signed or, you know, or some other guys that are clear or Marcelo Zuna. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. If you ran a fantasy league, I know I say this on every show, but if, if you ran a fantasy league, and the, the draft was in a week or two, and you haven't told them yet whether there's a DH spot in the lineup. I mean, you couldn't do that. You couldn't get away with that. And actual Major League Baseball is going to start spring training in three weeks, and they have not told their teams if the NL is having a DH. Yeah. I mean, fantasy teams get run better than MLB. Yeah. <laughs> and, they seem, and they seem to indicate there will not be a DH this year, which is why, again, having signings starting to happen, where Zimmerman, for example, is, is inking with, the, uh, with Washington again. It, it makes me it it, it raises it makes me raise an eyebrow there. All right, let's uh you know you know kudos to Ryan Zimmerman, but let's move on now to the closer carousel. Sing it. This is the closer carousel. All right, so there's been a couple moves. Uh, Kirby Yates is now a Toronto Blue Jay, and Brad Hand is on the Washington Nationals, and. I needed to do some more research on these to think about what I really thought about these guys. And I ended up ranking Yates like fifth or sixth among closers after the signing. I think that was not Tommy John surgery. It was just loose uh, particles in his elbow. We've all had that. He should be fine. He's clearly their closer. Um, Romano will set him up. That's a good team. And I'm like, okay, I like Kirby Yates. Not as much as we did a year ago when he was the number one closer, but I've already got him in my top five. And then I did a deep dive on Brad Hand. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't want any, any part of this. And what are you doing, Washington? You just got rid of Sean Doolittle, and now you've got a guy with a similar like fly ball rate, and his velocity is just plummeting. And people are saying, oh, well, he was really good in two months of 2020. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Having the most saves in baseball over a two-month period leans literally nothing. Ian Kennedy led baseball in saves over like a three-month period two seasons ago, didn't he? I think he did. I think so, yeah. If not, it was close. And he pitched well. He wasn't giving up a ton of runs. But don't tell me that Brad Hand leading the majors in saves in 2020 means a thing. Washington should be smarter than this. Are you scared? So I'm going to move Brad Hand out of my top 10, which is hard to do when I can't even find 10 closers to put in my top 10. But – my point being, Brad Hand scares me. The velocity, the ground ball rate, you tell me. Do you agree or disagree? I, I think you're pretty dead on on both of these guys. And the, the more I look at relievers, which I have a lot over the past two weeks, the less comfortable I feel about this position as a whole. And I, I don't think there's more than three guys who I don't have major questions about. Everybody after those top three, I have major questions about. Your The thing about Brad Hand yeah, you're absolutely correct. He became very fly ball oriented. That's the kind of thing that leans towards a widening platoon gap where righties can hit him, tee off, hit home runs. He was very lucky. No home runs allowed. He'd give up, what was it, six, 16 of the 45 balls in play he, he, he allowed last year were fly balls, and not a single one of them cleared the fence. That's pretty extraordinary that he did that. 
like a completely different pitcher. And he's very slider reliant. So I do worry a little bit about the injury he had two years ago, that little blip that he had. This could come back to haunt him. There's a very steep basement. The problem is that who else are you going to put ahead of him? I mean, you know, I'd actually have to, to think, isn't there more risk about Yates not coming back at full strength than there is about hand getting injured and missing time? But I like Yates better from a skill perspective, and it's by a lot. Let's put it this way. I'm going to be getting a lot of Tanner Rainey in my deep league drafts. Yeah. I do not trust hands performance here. Um, with And then you said something 30 seconds ago, the, the big three closers. Who's the third? I mean, I've got two. I've got Hayter and, and Hendricks, Liam Hendricks. Yeah, happens three. Okay, so you don't rank him three. But you've got Edwin Diaz actually over him. Yeah, I, it was I, my couple spots. I, I've, I've, uh, yeah, I've got one where they're right next to each other in Chapman's three. Edwin Diaz, I, I don't feel good about at all as, as your three, four guy, just because the Mets might go committee and he, you know, he has been pretty darn inconsistent with them. I might be punting saves in a bunch of leagues this year. And just hoping that I can fake it during the season. I, I'm not even joking I think I might be the way to go. I, I, nor, you know I've been trying to make the case for the top-tier closers. I, I can't really do it. Because I, I have concerns about Hater too. Like, I, oh, Hater, by the way, since we talked about Hater last, I am a lot more confident in Josh Hater than I was. Okay. That, well, was, I mean, that was a one-outing, five-walk, five complete yeah. fluke. I can't explain it. If you take it out, he was exceptional. Yeah, he had a bad day. We all do. I have every time we do a show. Um, I just, I'm going to end up fading Brad Hand in leagues. And I don't know how far I can drop him. Do I drop him to where I've got, like, Kenley Jansen, who I don't want to rank in the top 10? I, I don't know how far. Would I take Razel Iglesias over Brad Hand right now? I think I would. Ryan Presley, I think I would. And there's still a bunch of guys who need to find jobs. Trevor Rosenthal, Alex Colomay. These could be closers. Mark Melanson. This guy's got a sign. It's really blowing up my rankings. That's that's one of the big problems of this position. Well, I'm sure they're thinking of you when they do it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. But I mean, like the Will Smith one, of the Braves. I mean, you're like, where do you rank Will Smith right now? I'm pretty sure he's their closer, man. And I think I want to rank him. I'm pretty sure I want to rank Will Smith over Brad Hand. Like, based on performance that you project ahead, I can make that case pretty easily that I'd rather have Will Smith than Brad Hand. Can't you? I can see that case. Yeah, I can. I think Brad Hand's closer status is a little bit more secure, the two of them, but... Is it, though? It's a one-year deal. I honestly do not know what Will Smith... I'm not convinced the Braves are done building their bullpen. I'll say this about, um, about Brad Hand. He doesn't need to pitch well to get saves, okay? Mm-hmm. He, like we all know this he he can fake it he can have a kenley jansen 350 era and fake it and still get 35 saves for Washington. he can yep but i, I bet tanner rainey gets double digit saves this year um one more guy i want to ask you about anthony bass went to miami and you might be thinking why are we wasting time on the show talking about anthony bass but they don't have a closer and he has saves in his recent past yeah. He had sevens. He didn't he save a bunch of games for Toronto last season. He did, yeah. and the whip was good. Although we probably got lucky with the you know the Babbitt a little bit. Let me look and make sure I don't want to you know misquote. He got oh, really, yeah. really lucky with it. Two twenty six Babbitt. So there's something there. Yeah. So Anthony, nobody's saying Anthony Bass is good. He's been on a million teams, but he could be Miami's closer. They had Kinsler last year, and who do they have now? So yeah, I mean he's not. He's not a bad relief pitcher. He's just nothing special. He's your classic pitch to contact type. Uh, who was the the uh, Cleveland closer uh, ten years ago or so? Not Jim Johnson. Where I'm thinking of a guy who was a little bit less heavy on ground balls, but that type of guy where it's fifty percent ground ball, fifty percent sinkers thrown, gets seven and a half, eight Ks per nine is all right, but you want to mix and match him, not lean on him heavily. Who was the Cle- see the uh, here's our trivia question? The Cleveland closer that that, that Tristan is thinking of. That's the question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're I'm not tra- talking Todd Jones. No, I don't think it was that far back. It was more recent. It was a guy who was heavy ground ball, pitch to contact leaning, not really. Not Chris Perez. Oh, Chris Chris Perez. Yeah, he had he was one of the Okay, all right. Anyway, I'm not saying Anthony Bass. I'm going to rank him in my top thirty, but right now he might be Miami's closer. It could be Yimmy Garcia. Um, you know, who knows what Miami's going to do? But I don't think Miami's as bad as uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if they're a last place team this year. How about that? I don't want to get too far on that. If the Phillies don't get real moot, if the Phillies, if the Phillies give Andrew Knapp 500 plate appearances as their catcher batting ninth, even if there is no DH. Oh, boy. <laughs> that could be a problem for my Phillies. Yeah. Uh, I'm just laughing about all this, by the way. I think it's all pretty funny. And anyone else that signed that were traded that we need to discuss? We did chat with on last show. That was annoying. Jose Quintana, the Angels. Yeah, I was going to throw the rest of the names here. Jose Quintana, Jay Happ, Jason Castro. We mentioned Zimmerman already. No, not really. If you're taking Jay Happ in the league, I mean, it's got to be an AL only. And Quintana, you know, for a while, he was the picture of uh, consistency and reliability for the White Sox. And then he went to the Cubs and he wasn't. He all of a sudden wasn't doing that. He had a bad luck injury at the beginning of last year, though. I mean, come on. You want to talk about a fluky injury. <laughs> what did he do? Did he was cutting a tomato or something? He cut himself washing his dishes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. I don't want to do that. He should. Yo, it, it can be dangerous. You drop any of those blades into the sink and you don't see it under the water. Yeah, it could be a problem. Don't put a sharp knife into the sink. This is what I do. I cut a, When I cut a tomato, I don't drop the, the really sharp knife into the bottom of the sink. I leave it on the side and I wash it that way. My wife drops it into the sink. Maybe she wants me dead. But the point is like a sharp, anything sharp, don't stick it in your, in your sink underneath like all the soap and water. You can't see it. I am, glad that, what happened. I am just glad that you are the one throwing certain individuals under the bus before I have to do that for myself. I didn't <laughs> do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, we've been stuck inside for 11 months. We, we live in households, hair. and we can't control what goes into the sudsy water at times. <laughs> at some point, like, she's going to look at my hair and say, okay, that's enough. <laughs> okay, it's been, it's, been, it's been 11 months. Tomorrow will be 11 months and uh, since I got my last haircut. And I think it actually looks really good. I, you know, like, it's kind of curly now. And uh, I don't know. You don't agree. I, I don't gotta, care what you do. No, I think it looks – come on. It looks fantastic. we got to throw a birthday party for that hair. I, I don't even use a brush anymore. I think you're jealous. There's I a guy on my softball team who's bald. He's been bald since he was like 12. And he's like, yeah, I'm jealous. But that's nice hair. <laughs> I'm jealous because it's been probably six months since I've cut this and it's not doing anything. Wait, no, that's impossible. Six months? Yeah. Your hair's not growing. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could say it was. I'm just not – it's not doing anything. When did you think I last got this cut? That does not look like six months, dude. Take like a guess. Months. How long do you think it's been? It looks like two months. Well, I already know the answer, so taking a guess is kind of beside the point. I think it was September. By the way, like we're – Tristan and Kyle are on a squad cast, so we can see each other and make funny faces and all that. Uh, you can't see that because you're just listening on the podcast. But the point is I can see, yeah, your hair, like, now you're wearing, like, a, like uh, earphones to make it, yeah, but, like, or, or maybe you're just losing your hair. That could be I am losing my hair. That, that's it's been a tough year. I've thought about just shaving it all off. I've, I've, I, if I, I should have done it earlier in the year. I should have just that's shaved. That's a bad idea. I just, I think that's a bad idea. But if your hair stops growing, I don't know, maybe that's a medical. Kyle, come in here. Like, what do you think here? Like, there's no question who's better, whose hair looks better. Mine looks better. Oh, it's curly, it's long, it's glorious. Yeah, that is glorious. The people want pictures. That's all we ask for Hastrons, and like forty percent of the questions are about getting Eric. If you pictures, want to take a Eric picture Trump. of this right now, go ahead, take a picture of this, and people can see the gloriousness of my hair. And it is. I'm not even. Gonna, I think you gotta I, shake I, it while he's taking the picture. <laughs> <laughs> it is glorious. All right. We must have other stuff to do now. We're, we're in the wasting time portion of the podcast when we start talking about hair and uh, and why Tristan's isn't growing. So let's uh, let's do trivia and then some hash browns and you know whatever. Sure. Yeah, we're we're gonna start with some trivia. Pretty simple question. This isn't one where you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to understand it. Soto, Acuna, and Trout were one, three, four in isolated power last season. I just want you to give me the other two in the top five. And by the way, would anybody really jump through a hoop to answer a trivia question like like? <laughs> They would like How I understand trivia, trivia that you'll jump through a hoop. <laughs> nice. Yeah. If we nice. have a song for it, it definitely happens. And further proving that we do not have any sound that he can push a button to make. Yeah. Is pushing Tritz's button to make the sound. <laughs> uh, well, Luke Voigt's got to be one of them. Did he lead the league in home runs? Luke Voigt is one of them. Yes. Okay. But who's the other one? Dude, that well, yeah. There's a trivia question for a reason. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll ponder that while you hash brown us. 
I will hash brown you. Why is there no song for hash browns, Tristan? Can you make up a song for? Oh, it's I made hash browns. Music. I made actual hash browns. No, my wife and I the other day. <laughs> so right. I went. I, I, I at the store. She's like, "Why don't we ever have hash browns? You're always talking about." I'm like, "Okay." So I went and I bought actual like you know how they're shaped like like curvy ends like you get them in a, like a re- actual restaurant if those still exist. Right. And so you, um, you cheated then. Well, I mean, we can't go to a restaurant, so I cheated. No, you've got to be and... sitting there and shaving the potatoes into each of their little strips. Oh, like, no, no. Know. I like them in this form. You know, like I like them in this form. So easy to make. And they were, if I might say, fantastic. I'm going to buy more. Monday's my grocery store day. So I'm ah, going to buy more. Yeah, like when, when you got nothing to do for 11 months, you kind of make like a schedule. And I'm my schedule sure. has me laundry Tuesday, grocery store Monday. You know, my, my, my wife knows this. So anyway, hash browns were fantastic. Nice. Fantastic. You need to buy some. I can't I can't remember the company, but like you know what I'm talking about. Like they're kind of yellow and they're shaped like not like an oval, like an oval kind of. The oval patties ones? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I forget the uh I should really remember the brand. I've gotten those. They were good. I like the ones where, you know, like at like at Matt's Big Breakfast where they're shaved into like the little strips and everything. Yeah, uh, how do I miss that place? I gotta oh, use the Cuisinart for that. Try it at some point. I'm, I've, you know, gotten creative with the potato cooking this year. All right, what was the question? Uh, we didn't get to one. We get to the minutia of baseball. We get to the part where Eric likes the podcast. Yeah. Hash browns. I got all excited. I didn't get another word in. Bill wants. Okay, to people are listening so we could have fun. They want some fun in their lives. We're offering fun. I agree, and I can't wait to tweet this picture, Bill. <laughs> Wants to know what your outlook on Jose Altuve is for the next three years. Oh, Jesus. What do you do with that guy? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Like, I don't I know, know what, what to do with him. He's 30 years old, but I think of him as 35. He stopped stealing bases successfully. Last year, the two-month season, he was terrible. Couldn't hit for average. I, But I want to say he bounces back, but I'm probably not going to have shares of him when he does it. Like, I, I'm avoiding this. And not because of the scandal of the cheating and all that. Springer was fine. Bregman has the walks. He'll bounce back. I don't know if Altuve bounces back. I, I mean, Altuve is one of those guys who say, okay, he's already had his best season. That's clear, isn't it? But can he even bounce back to 290 with 25 home runs? Can he do that? I think he can. At, at 30, I, I cannot see him continuing like this. This is you mentioned the cheating. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I can't get past it. I got to ask you about this one. Breaking. There, there had to be something there with him. He, there had to be. I'm giving the breaking pitches numbers and his career. He's a 289 hitter, 305 weighted on base in 2019. It was 260 and 299. So he's declining a little bit last year. He batted 135 at a 140 weighted on base against breaking pitches. But a year ago when we were having this conversation, we were like, Oh, the Astros will be fine. Now we're saying he won't be. Does that bother you? It bothers me a lot. It, it bothers me, and I do think there's there's absolutely a point at which he rebounds from this. I don't think it could possibly be as bad as it was. But struggling to that extent, falling off a cliff against those types of pitches, hmm, bugs me. Like, it bugs me that what Yuli Gurriel did in 2021, uh, 2020, it bugs me – it, but why doesn't it bug me what Bregman did? Because because he, he still walked and got on base. So mm-hmm. Altuve and Gurriel, I am fading. But like I love Bregman, I love Michael Brantley. Jordan Alvarez should be fine. He got his knees fixed, so the theory is that he's fine now. But never going to play him in the field. That's your DH for the, that's your Nelson Cruz for the next ten years. Kyle Tucker, I love. That's a twenty twenty guy, twenty five twenty five maybe. Kyle Tucker batting third or fourth for that team. He should be. Altuve really needs to start running again. If you look at the speed grades, checking the Statcast data, it shows that he's Can't not he? really declining. Why not? He's, Why can't he? He was two for five on steals, and he was if so. All right, over the last two seasons, he's eight for sixteen on stolen bases. You can't tell me his speed rating is the same as it was three and four years ago. Actually, last year was better than it was at any other year. Statcast says numbers. So was he just hurt, and that's why he had a bad year? Might be two years ago when the injury question first came up, that was the lowest number he had on here. Now, granted, I mean, we're looking at a 60 game sample for 2020, so I'm not going to lean heavily on that being his career high number, but it doesn't look like these are steep declining stats. He's capable. 
I've, that's oh, so give me a, that's me a lot lately. I, I, the only thing that really bugs me is that one thing about curves and sliders. All right, so what do you project? You can't project 290 and 25 home runs. I would be less apt to predict the power than I would the batting average, but I think the right approach is 285 and 15-ish. All right, with no steals. No, I think so- he could still steal 20. I think, and I think he has to to be worthwhile I'm in fantasy. Off. Yeah, I'm off that bandwagon. I, I, I mean, there's risk of him hitting like 260 with and that'll kill 15 home, Yep, with 15 homers and eight steals, and the only thing he does is score runs. That that's a problem. I'm okay. avoiding. Are you? Do you not think he's going to steal bases because he's not quick enough, or do you think he's not going to steal bases because he's not good enough? That he's not going to be on base enough. I see what you're saying about his speed rating. But if his speed rating is still good, why was he 8 of 16 the last two years? Did he forget how to read signs? Oh, well, well, you know what I mean. I didn't mean that. (laughs) But maybe they were stealing signs for stealing bases too. I don't know. I don't want to, like, add stuff that I can't corroborate. But I don't think – Neither of us wants to throw this team under the bus completely for for this because what right do we have to read these stats and and make a a sweeping judgment? But – it's, Isn't that what we do? That's exactly what we do. Right. It's <laughs> fair to raise the question. He's, he's one of the best examples of that effect from last year. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have these jobs for yeah. however long we have them. Is that we're, we're just helping what we think. We're not giving concrete answers there. All right. Let's move on before I get fired. Next. Brian had a question also <laughs> about the Astros. You talked about Tucker a little bit and you're excited about him. He wants to know if Alvarez gets a look in the outfield this spring or gone. No. Jordan Alvarez, they fixed his knees. He had knee surgery on both of them, I believe. But I read something where, like, they're not even going to take a chance. Because when you have bad knees, like, you can have surgery and they're still bad knees to some degree. Aren't you going to – if you were taking him in a in a dynasty, wouldn't you be worried not only about the fact that he's going to be DH forever, but, like, if you got bad knees, you might always have bad knees. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's just arthroscopy. But – I cannot see him getting outfield eligibility again. There was a patellar tendon repair in the right, and it was just a routine cleanup in the left. <laughs> Coupling those together, I'm... I'm concerned. I mean, like, Michael Brantley can play left field. He doesn't have to play 160. He can play 140 out there. Uh-huh. They, they, want him, right. they want him to be capable of playing the outfield because that gives him more options year over year, but I don't think they're going to push him at all. I'll bet it's going to be a minimal number, might not even meet the position qualification threshold. Long term, the worry is that he's got a Giancarlo Stanton injury path. Oh, boy. Did I want any part of that? It was an MVP in his career, though. Watch them sign Jackie Bradley Jr. They should. That would be perfect signing for that team. Okay. Um, Alvarez should hit. Can we project 600 plate appearances? Not too many. As a DH, I think he could get there. I th- it's it's a little aggressive based on this particular injury, but he could get there. All right. Yeah. Then he's not yeah, Nelson too. Cruz. Then we shouldn't be ranking him next to Nelson Cruz anymore. I've dropped Cruz in the update I'm dropping in later today. Why are you dropping Cruz? Cruz what is not my number one DH. What? Cruz is not my number one DH anymore. Alvarez is? Why would you do that? No, actually, uh, J.D. Martinez is. But it's actually pretty close between the three of them. And Cruz, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm least in, at least interested in Cruz out of those three DHs. Why? What, did someone hit you over the head? I don't understand. No role. No role matters at this point. Especially oh, come on. Nelson Cruz is going to find a job. He's going to go back to Minnesota. Are you sure I mean, about I'm, that? Yes. I am sure about Nelson I'll, Cruz. I'll take the bait on the bed for for Minnesota being Cruz's team. You take the team. Who the team is? The fact is, this guy had a thousand OPS each of the last two seasons with power, with batting average, with walks. Nelson Cruz is demonstrably better than JD Martinez in my rankings, easily, and in yours right now. The ones I'm looking at. How can you make the case to put JD Martinez ahead of Nelson Cruz? And don't tell me it's because Cruz doesn't have a job. This is a very different January than it's ever been before. It matters this year. I'm not saying it's the driving force, but it it there's enough to make a difference here. He is 40. I'm sorry. He turns 41 on July 1st. It's got to be mentioned. Tom Brady's 80, and he's in the Super Bowl. So Nelson Cruz is Tom Brady. We've decided that's the case. 
And even then, we were out on Brady for fantasy like a year ago. Tom Brady has not been as good for fantasy over the past half decade as you seem to think he is. He hasn't. Let's put it this way. I I don't want to put too much into 2020 numbers, but Nelson Cruz dominated yet again. J.D. Martinez, because he had no video, fell apart. I don't see why Nelson Cruz is all of a sudden going to fall apart. There's no way I would. Okay, so then the numbers that really drive it for me are that his numbers did decline last year. He posted the lowest hard hit rate of his uh, of any of the year that they had that for that, and I would suspect for his career, lowest average exit velocity of his career, hit more grounders than he ever had at that point. Things were trending as they would at that age, a little bit downwards, and I don't mean to inspire panic here. He still ranked well, but it's not as perfect as it seems. This could be Edwin Encarnacion. Oh, don't say that. It could. And we liked Edwin Encarnacion a year ago. No, this is basically your DH version of Corey Kluber, who put up amazing numbers two years ago, and you said, oh, there's something wrong here. Velocity, ground ball. You're saying that's that's the comp. Corey Kluber in 2018 was a monster. Cy Young. Wins, ERA, whip, everything, strikeouts. I see you pondering right now, and you know I'm right. Your Nelson Cruz last year at 1,000 OPS did nothing wrong. You're saying the underlying numbers – Tell us that his age and and Kyle's smiling because he knows that's what you're saying is that the underlying numbers tell us something that the regular numbers don't. This is not Edwin. This is Kluber other than injury. No, you're actually you're right. And I'm thinking about it because you're right. That is exactly what I am saying. But the ages don't track the same. They're not the same type of player, pitcher, hitter, obviously. And don't don't throw a panic into my words over injuries, because that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that he might get hurt like Kluber did. And again, it's different with pitchers. No, I'm not You're right. I'm not You're that. absolutely right. It could be what it could be the Kluber warning. All right. Let's uh, what else we got? Two quick ones here. Ten words or less to answer this. Is there a Cleveland position player worth rostering other than Jose Ramirez? Uh, let me choose my words carefully. <laughs> well, that was like seven of them. So. <laughs> All right. So oh, then well, no. there you go (laughs) yes of course there is well look we play in deeper leagues than espn ones fran moreas could hit 35 home runs easily all right that's that's one andres jimenez or ahmed rosario could be 25 steel guys so in deeper leagues yes shane bieber's a monster oh you mean a hitter position position player Yeah, yeah um i think fran mill gets drafted in every league because that's a lot of home runs so yes there is three letters three words Framel's a no-brainer. Framel's a 30. If you said to me, like, like who's off the radar that could lead the majors in home runs, yep. I think I did this last year, and I, I picked Framel, and he could have done it. Yep. I, I, Framel's a guy who could hit 40 home runs. Yep. That's a, he's a no-brainer. I, I think you're dead on with these players. The I, I'll ask Eric, can you take Roberto Perez as one of your two catchers for that catcher discussion before? Just Ugh. give me, just, just hand me a gimme. <laughs> I can overlook overlook his batting average in 2020 because what he did in 2019 happened too just like it happened for mitch garver like we can't just forget about these catchers i I have a league draft coming up soon and there's like nothing a catcher i like i i I, i've already centered on the one catcher i have to get in an auction and i hate doing that it's very dangerous it ain't roberto perez but he has to he has to hit 220 at least and i think he can I actually did a deep dive into Roberto Perez for this league. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, and you were not impressed. I take it. Well, I'm not, I I'm dismissing the 165 batting average, although I'm not dismissing the Gary Sanchez batting average. I'm dismissing the road. I just, I think you give a guy five, six months. He doesn't hit 165. I think you give him a chance to get hot again. Yeah. It's two Oh five. I think there's some risk of that. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 as my well, second catcher, I would rather take a guy – I would rather take Dalton Varsho, who I don't think he's even eligible there right now. Yeah, right? he is actually because I've been trying to decide where I want Dalton Varsho ranked. So he is eligible at catcher. Okay. Yeah, I've got him down as outfield and catcher. Because he played only – he played the most in the outfield, and I don't think he played enough behind the plate. Well, what's our, our rule now is 10 instead of 20, so did he play 10 games? He only played 37 games overall. He did play 10 at catcher. He played exactly 10 at catcher. Oh, Okay. Because that's a base stealing catcher, dude. That's like a 12 stolen base catcher who I want to I want to rank him in my top 12 catchers because 
position stinks. That's a guy I wouldn't mind. That's a guy I'm taking yep. in an ESPN league in the last round as my starting catcher. And you're not going to have Rimuto in round five over Nelson Cruz, which I think is awful. You're not getting Vargas. You're not. I'm telling you right now. He's going to. I'm not getting Varsha. Because we will know what his role is by the time we get to that stage. And if we know his role and that it's locked in, he will not be available to you at that point. He'll be being drafted before that. Tell I don't me. even see where you – you have him ranked as the number 17 catcher outside the top 300. And the new draft I have, I've got him 12, 13 right where McCann is. Okay. That's what I want to do. I don't know if I'm doing it, but that's what I want to do. But the, <laughs> but the industry will drive his appeal up to the point he's he's not a value for you. I'm telling you it's going to happen. I'm watching it Yeah, happen. then he'll – then he'll get overrated. Yeah, that probably will happen, actually. And the last you're going to be you're going to be diving into Danny Jansons and Carson Kellys and Sam Hoffs. I can I'm watching you do that. I'm taking uh, Yachty again, even if he retires. In some leagues, yeah, because I don't want Roberto Perez batting 120 for my team or Gary Sanchez. Yachty won't. Yachty retired won't hurt my batting average. Exactly. So that's smart. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good uh, ten word answer there. Let's see if we can do a little better this time. <laughs> Righty wants to know. Last question here: If you prefer Bellinger at twenty five bucks or Corey Seager at fifteen? Oh, I love those prices. They're both values. Oh, Got to pick one. Oh, oh. Seager's Seager's a better value. I agree. Seager, but it depends on the league too, because like if, always, you know, who knows it, who's getting thrown back in. And, you know, Bellinger's, Bellinger's worth more than 25. It's just that Seager is probably worth 25 as well. What's the format? He didn't say. He just said it. Which would so you prefer? The initial draft I dropped in for us this week has Bellinger, a $37 player, and Corey Seager, a 24. So that, actually, that actually says that it's Bellinger, not Seager, but I'm with you guys that the brain tells me it's Corey Seager. Yeah, you know, there's no... There's no formula here when you're trying to figure, answer a question like that. It's your gut. It's your instinct. And my instinct says that Seager at 15 is a really nice value. And, you know, Bellinger maybe you get for 30. But, you know, when you're keeping players on contracts, people do crazy things. I mean, one of my leagues, I, somebody kept a catcher who's not even good at a high price because there's no catchers in the draft. This is a very deep league. And I thought, okay, that's a strange guy to keep. And then I looked at the available catchers and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Huh. Yeah. The, Can I, the protection says that Bellinger is the better value in a mixed league, but that Seager is the better value in an NL only league. I find that interesting. Why? These are off my projection calculations. They're never wrong. Well, it's, it's, it's more, remember that, that uh, I always make the case you want the better player, the smaller the league. That's probably what it is. I wonder if Bellinger runs. He will. You know, he's his his four year career is 10, 14, 15, and six steals, which prorated would have been a career high, actually. I, I would have been more than 15. So he's a runner, he's a walker. Only one of his four seasons has he hit more better than 267. And why that's, are we, yeah. that's why what are we ranking 200? Okay. So if we project Bellinger at about 265, dude, mm-hmm. and steal, say, 12 bases, that's not a safe second round pick. I actually think this is a guy who, if he wanted to, could steal 25 bases with ease. I think we're overrating him. We, Every time I do a deep dive, I overrate or over underrate somebody. Maybe what are we overrating Bellinger based on his MVP season? Perhaps we are. I, I do think that player is still lurking beneath. And if he does steal you 15 bases, which I do think he will with confidence, that's a great asset considering what's available at first base. And it is. It, but it I don't possibilities. In a general sense, I do not draft guys who bat 260 in the first or second round. With the quality of contact he gives you, he could exceed that. That's how he did it in that MVP year. But the true value player should be projected at 265, at least in my opinion. All right. Let's answer the trivia question. What was the question again? We got to pay off the trivia here. Top five in ISO from last year. We have four on the board. You need to give me the fifth. The four listed are Soto, Acuna, Voigt, and Trout. (sighs) I was going to guess Teoscar Hernandez. (laughs) Teoscar, not correct. I mean, I was going to guess Jose Abreu or Dominic Smith. 
Jose Abreu was seven. Dominic Smith was nine, neither of which is five, which is the number you're looking for here. Well, you don't have to be mean about it, but okay. <laughs> I'm just reminding people what we ask. You know, I mean, I ask for 10-word answers. We get going a little bit. People could forget the question. <laughs> the K and Kyle stands for condescending. Okay, what the? Sure, sure. Oh, um, boy. All right, well, what are we missing here? This player has the same number of letters in his last name as I do. What? <laughs> Nothing like Ozuna. Elite yeah. huh? Ozuna. Oh, Ozuna. Ozuna's not right. He's 11. It's not, it's not Mookie. It's not Mookie. It's not Pete Lonzo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I, 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 oh, I, I'm so positive that the answer to this question is not doing this again. I'm, I would I'm agree with you there. Yeah. I know who it is. I have him in a league where I could keep him at an actual reasonable salary. Yeah. And I am so sure that he's going back to hitting 230 without stealing bases. Tristan, you ought to get it based on that. But he's not going back to well, stealing bases. He used to be a 30-30 threat. He used to be, oh, yeah. I don't know if he ever made it, but he used to be a guy we like, oh, he's going 30-30. I interviewed him once with our friend Steve Gardner, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going 30-30. Oh, um, yeah, well, Myers. Yeah. I don't know well, Myers, how he did that, it, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when you followed up the 30-30 interview with him. Yeah, and he, he wasn't as confident. No, um, he said, he's like, yeah, I got to go for 40-40 now. He, and he was kidding. But. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> how did he hit 15 home runs last year? And hit 288. How did he bat 288? There's got to be something in those numbers where his OPS went up 200 points that were just not like, is that sustainable? Because that's important. Will Myers used to be a really good fantasy option even without the batting average because he's still 331 Babbitt's going to help that. Yeah. A little high, but not like crazy high. Like, and, and as he was having that season, I had him on a sim team and I had him because he would hit lefties. And I was thinking, how is he doing this against right-handers? He ended up slugging 580 against right-handers. Will Myers. His XBA, the year before, he slugged 395. His XBA was way higher than it has been at any other point in his career. 285 last year. So should we view this as sustainable? Players make adjustments. Somewhat, yes. This looks like a guy who did add some sustainable power to his game. A little bit more contact. I don't see a lot of other big changes taking the quick look at him. Because I'm not buying what, what those numbers are selling. He crushed and, sliders last year. Wow. So why are people throwing them sliders? Like, I I got to see where I rank him, but there's no way I rank him in the top 100. You have him 107 right now. Oh, I do. Oh, that's awful. No, it's not me. That's AJ. Where are my rankings? I have 131. Okay, that's, that's where I want to have him. <laughs> wow, but we have a huge difference here. AJ top hundred, you add a hundred, me one thirty. So I'm buying the least on Will Meyer. That's interesting. Okay, wow, we're over an hour on this show. Let's go another hour. Well, what else are you doing? I, I got nothing. I can. I got a workout schedule for today, but I, I can push it back an hour. Twelve hours to do that. Yeah. We have all day. Like today, I think I'm going to listen to the Doors, uh, maybe uh, the Soft Parade, and uh, maybe a little Police and Yana Mandata. What do you listen to? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's Unless, usually like a late afternoon. We're going to dive into Kyle's playlist now? No. Uh, what do you listen to when you're wrong? I don't really do music. I listen to podcasts. Company man. You listen to ESPN podcasts? Uh, podcasts on the whole. Do you work on other podcasts other than the fantasy football one? We know about that. I, I wish we had more podcasts. We've been dying for a basketball one. Me and you, we'll, we'll start it up one of these days. Mark my words. <laughs> Me, you, and Dre, man, that would be a great fantasy basketball podcast. I am doing so well in one of my leagues in fantasy hoops. We started off from scratch. It was an auction. I am doing great. Now, as I say that, everybody's going to get hurt tomorrow. But, yes, that's I'm enjoying that league. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess we should stop, right? I mean, like, people got lives. Um what else do we need to discuss? Anything? All right, so Super Bowl prediction. We'll do another show before the Super Bowl, I assume. Maybe we'll, well, maybe not. I mean, see if anybody signs again, but probably. I want the Chiefs to win. Yeah. I don't care if Tom Brady fans are listening and saying, oh, you hate him. Oh, I'm not a fan of his, okay? Man, did I want Aaron Rodgers to win. You did too, Kyle. You dressed your wife up. I think we all did. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> 
One play. You either go for the fourth down or you don't give up the touchdown at the end of the They would have lost anyway. They lost the game before that. Even the if half, they had made that play, the play at the half, maybe would have run, run down me. the field and kicked a field goal. You know that. The play at halftime was brutal. Or just before play that. Ha- the play at halftime it lost them that game. I agree. I agree. Very well, I want the Chiefs to win. I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win and cover. Me too. do that now. I'm sure there's a gambling podcast somewhere in our air. <laughs> That's the right. three-point spread. I think they cover and cover pretty easily. 31-21, I think, I think we're three for three on this. I, I, won't, oh, I won't be remotely surprised if Brady and the Bucks win, though. I won't. You know baseball's back. I have two meetings are, that have just got scheduled. Why, why are there meetings scheduled? I don't want meetings scheduled. I won't oh, be there. But I check out Twitter. You can we will have the picture up. The picture will be up right oh, now. Kyle's Kyle's make us go away. Okay, we're done for today. Yes, Thank yes. you so much for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball. Every show now, over an hour, whether you like it or not. All right, anyway, great job, Kyle. Great job, Tristan. I'm never cutting my hair. Have an awesome week. We'll talk to you soon.